State University College radio station. From the George G. Beasley Media Complex and the Wayne L. Sumner Studios, 90.5 WASU-FM, Boone, WASURadio.com. Download the app or just say Alexa. Play WASU-FM. It's off the Leonard, defended by Simmons. Is this the dagger? Scrub. He can't play. Walker fires downfield, looking for DJ Moore. Oh, oh my God! It's a diving catch from Panthers touchdown. Be a dog. Tyreek Brooks takes the right corner three. That's off. CJ Hunter with the pump, oh! and he puts it in at the buzzer. It's caught by Christian Horn. He's around the outside, and it's scored. He's scored. Sports Wrap on 90.5 WASU. Good evening and welcome to Sports Wrap on 90.5 WASU, the app FM. I'm Cody Bear, joined this evening by Hunter Boston, Ryan Hendricks, and Nick Goodman. Fellas, how are we doing on this fine Tuesday evening? I'm doing good, you know, just getting this semester started out. We've got a really good App State men's basketball team we're going to be talking about later. It's been fun watching them over these first couple of weeks, and, you know, I'm, I'm doing good. You know, i got to say, it was nice coming to class today and not slipping on no ice. No snow, finally, finally the snow melted. And then we were just talking about it a second ago. It's snowing tonight. I can't believe it. I'm tired of this. I'm sick of this. I'm Three sick of this. Five snow. inches, says meteorologist. Not enough, David. Not enough. I need That's that. Yeah. The seven plus and no class. Yeah, boys. I'm watching this weather channel or raised weather forecast. Like it's the Super Bowl right now that we're going to talk about Better in a little bit. Kind of talked myself into not having classes tomorrow. Bad news, and buddy. It would be nice, but I don't know if it's going to happen. Only two inches, supposedly, in the next 48 hours. We're going to need That's to pump weak. the numbers up a little That's bit. That's weak. Those are weak numbers. We got to get those numbers up immediately. We got to get those numbers up. I mean, we love going to class here at 90.5 WSU. Of course we do that. Of course we do. This is a a pro-academic program here on 90.5 WSU. But it's also a pro-sports program. We're going to look at all the sports from App State over the last few days on the Mountaineer Minute. For this Tuesday's Mountaineer Minute, let's take it back to last Thursday. App State women's basketball played last Thursday on the road against Old Dominion. Emily Carver returned to the lineup, but only on limited minutes. The very good Old Dominion team defeated the Mountaineers 68-49. On the same night, App State men's basketball beat Georgia Southern 84-74, behind 23 points from Terrence Harkham, who shot 4 of 6 from beyond the arc. The men's basketball team had another huge game on Saturday against James Madison. In front of over 8,000 fans and on ESPN Plus here in the Holmes Convocation Center, App State completed the sweep against the Dukes and stormed the court after, winning 82-76. to Justin Abson finished the game with eight blocks. Abson is currently tied for fourth in the country in blocks per game at 2.9. 
The women's tennis team took on Davidson on Sunday and fell by a mark of 4-2. to two. That will do it for your Mountaineer Minute. On the other side, it's Sports Wrap on 90.5 WASU-FM. Series features Coco, live to film concert, a complete screening of the Disney Pixar film accompanied by a live orchestra, the United States Air Force Band and Singing Sergeants, and Indigenous Enterprise, a Native American dance troupe. Information at 800-841-ARTS or theshafercenter.org. Appalachian State University's The Schaefer Center Presents series features Carmina Burana, Carl Orff's epic choral ode to love, drink, and living life to the fullest. Performed by Western Piedmont Symphony, Appalachian State University singers, and Appalachian Choral, February 10th at 7.30 p.m. Information at theschafercenter.org. Anna Bananas is a longtime supporter of WASU-FM, App State's college radio station. Anna Bananas Fine Consignment Store buys, sells, trades, and serves Boone from 641 West King Street. You can follow Anna Bananas on Instagram and Facebook. Eggers Law Firm is a full-service law firm right in the heart of Boone on King Street that attends to matters from business to traffic. They focus on legal services to Watauga County and are fourth-generation app alum serving since 1950. For more information or legal services, you can contact Eggers Law Firm at 828-264-3601. Want to join the WASU team? Get your business the recognition you deserve with underwriting at 90.5 WASU-FM. We play business as spots during our shows, music, and sports games as you cheer on your Mountaineers. Being in the official campus radio station, we reach the App State student body like nobody else. If you're interested in getting your business out to WASU listeners, just contact us at sales.wasu at gmail.com. I'm number one, Anderson Castle for the App State Mountaineers, and you're listening to Sports Rap on 90.5 WASU-FM. Thank you, Anderson Castle, for the back end to Sports Rap on 90.5 WASU-FM, presented by Eggers, 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 and Eggers Attorney at Law. Let's get right into it. I'm Cody Bear, joined by Ryan Hendricks, Hunter Boston, and Nick Goodman. We're going to talk a little bit about the App State game on Saturday, the big one. Boone hosted another huge men's basketball game this weekend, packing out the Holmes Convocation Center and playing a second half of basketball on ESPN2. Very frustrating as someone who was not here in Boone. Yeah, what's wrong with you? We yeah. played the second half on ESPN2. We yeah. played. <laughs> the first half was like triple overtime. The first yeah. half, you're watching out. triple yeah, over, you overtime between TCU you and like it? Baylor. But you know what? That's okay, because I listened to the broadcast here on 90.5. As you And it had me turned up, ready to go. A fantastic call on that one. App State, as I mentioned, they took on James Madison at home, sent the Dukes packing. The Mountaineers got the win, 82-76, to completing the regular season sweep. So I'm going to ask, 
you can really go whichever way you want with this, but what was the biggest thing that got the Mountaineers past James Madison for the sweep on Saturday? Well, I mean, App State, to start off, they did a lot of different things well in this game. I mean, they came out with energy that matched that sold-out crowd of over 8,000 people in the home center. They shot the ball much better from three than they have throughout the season. They were 40% from three in the game. They've only 31% on the year. And they hit a lot of clutch free throws late in the game, in particular Trayvon Spillers, who's not that great of a free throw shooter. He shoots in the six on the year was really good down the stretch. James Madison made a point to get him to the free throw line late in the game and he responded and hit a bunch of clutch free throws that really put the game away. But with all that being said the biggest difference maker in this game you talked about him in the Mountaineer minute uh, was James was Justin Abson and the defense that App State played in the paint. Mainly led by him. He was fantastic on defense. I mean he nearly had a double-double Without scoring 10 points. He too. He only had 3 points on the game, but he had 11 rebounds. And he also, as you mentioned, had 8 blocks, which is tied for the most in a game by any Mountaineer ever. I mean, he was a big difference maker even outside of just those stats too. Like, there was a number of plays in the game where James Madison was trying to get to the basket and he didn't block the shot, but he altered shots at the rim. And James Madison missed some shots when they got all the way to the paint that normally they wouldn't make. There were times in the game, too, where they would drive into him and then Absin was so big that he would just knock them back without Mm -hmm. fouling them and just force a travel call as they were trying to get to the paint. So... That combined with App having good perimeter defense as usual, Xavion Brown's been excellent on defense the last couple of games. Um, it's just it really dictated what James Madison could do on offense. I mean, they've they got to the point where they couldn't really go to the paint like they usually could, and they had to try to come back. And they made it a bit of a game by hitting a lot of threes and getting hot late, but that's all they really could do. So they did a lot of things well in the game, but I feel like J- Justin Abson, even in particular, just in this James Madison matchup has really been the big difference maker. Even like when we go all the way back to when they went to JMU, uh, he had another really good game there. He had 12 points, 8 rebounds, and 4 blocks. I feel like in this matchup in particular, Absin just has been uh, the big thing that's put App State on another level when they play against the Dukes. Yeah, they just kept trying Justin Abson all game. You're wondering what they were doing. They just drive right into him, knowing he already has eight blocks on you. You're going to try him again. Yeah. Like, what's wrong with you, James Madison? But I just loved how he played. Um, great point by you, Nick. That energy was amazing. They came flying up the court all day long. It's that suffocating defense. I loved we had the full court press the whole game, just getting in their face all game long, just making it tough on them. No easy buckets. And pretty much we controlled almost the whole game. I understand they got hot at the end, got a couple lucky shots, got a, got a couple calls that were really tough. Justin Nelson should have had nine blocks, should have had the record, but they called that one, I believe it was called a steal. Is that right, Nick? Well, they called a foul on him at one point. When he had yeah. that the record, they called a foul, which put him in foul trouble and made him go on the bench for a little bit afterward. That really shouldn't have been... Yeah, no wonder no wonder it got close at the end. We took out our egg factor. We took out Justin Abson. But as you said, great game from Trayvon Spillers led us in scoring. And I was just very proud of how we shot free throws at the end. I know we've struggled from the line a good bit this year. Mm-hmm. But when the times were tough, they were just knocking them down. Trayvon Spillers in particular, not not the best free throws yet, as you said. Had a little bit strong. Go strong on some of them free throws. But they were going down smooth as butter at the end of that game. What a great win by us. Yeah, really huge win for App State right there. And I remember last week sitting in this chair, at this almost same time, Alan Sports Wrap, we asked the question, what does App State need to do to beat JMU? And the only thing I could think of is that we need some good play from our big men. And Lord, did mm-hmm. those two big men show up for this game. Trayvon Spillers, we've already talked about it, 21 points, 7 rebounds. Then Justin Abson, 8 blocks and 11 rebounds. Just 
absolute monsters down low in the paint. Just JMU cannot get anything going. That really set the tone for this huge win. And also, shout out to that crowd. You can't win this ballgame without oh, yeah. that I mean, crowd. Packed. You have 8,000-plus people in homes, and that place is allowed when there's 1,000 mm. people in there, let alone 8,000. Yep. And it was amazing for Auburn. Unfortunately, I wasn't there for this game. I was no. in Raleigh watching it on TV, but... I could just tell how electric that crowd is, and I can imagine how exciting it was to be in Holmes, and that's a huge reason why we won this game. I just wanted to add one thing to your point about the crowd. I know I brought it up earlier. Um, I just think this is based on all these the big crowds that have come to Holmes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The first crowd that was nearly a sellout that was that actually was a sellout for Holmes when it opened. It was because they were playing UNC. Yep, the second time yeah. they they sold out the home center, it was because Steph Curry oh, was coming Davison. to the home center. Yep. Even earlier this year when we sold out the home center against Auburn, a big deal of that was playing against Auburn. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This was the first time I feel like since the home center opened that this sellout was about App State. James yep. Madison yeah. is a very good team, but people came to watch App State play. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, and I mean, when you talk about no seats in the building, there absolutely wasn't any. I mean, I was hanging out with a couple of our guys here from the station. We got kicked out of our seat four times. The yeah. student section was absolutely packed. They had more people in the building than they should have had, but I loved it. It was an amazing energy. Yeah, great points. It, it's been fantastic. I love to see a lot of it. Dustin Kearns, as much as he's done like helping this team on the court, he's helped a lot off the court as well. He's done a lot of work to get people knowing what's going on and getting people to that arena, and I think that's huge because this team deserves it, especially this year. They've done so many great things, and there's so much talent on this team that deserves to be seen by the fans here and students here at App State. So, as of today... App State sits at the top of the Sun Belt with an 8-1 and conference record. The team in second place in the Sun Belt is Troy, who is 7-2 and in the Sun Belt. Uh, fitting that really this could come down to App State and Troy again, mm-hmm. just like it did in Fair football. Enough. Now, Troy got a win over the Mountaineers in the single regular season game. They'll play against each other. What does App State need to do, whether it's what they are doing well and need to continue doing well, or what's not been so great and needs to be turned turned around to finish at the top of the Sun Belt at the end of the regular season? I'll just say to answer that question to start out, I feel like the biggest thing they need to do is they just need to continue to play the way they've been playing throughout this throughout the year on both sides of the ball. I mean, App on defense, ever since, even I'd say since Kearns has come here, but especially this year, they've been fantastic throughout the year. I mean, they're first in the Sun Belt in points of allowed with only allowing a little over 64 a game. And then first in field goal percentage, only allowing 37% shooting from the floor, which is really good. There really should be no adjustments at all on that side of the ball. Um, and the only thing you could ever point to with their defense getting uh, having any sort of problems is been just from players being red hot. Players mm-hmm. just shooting from way further out than they've shot usually and just, you know, just shooting the cover off the ball. And on a game-to-game basis, I mean, they, that really hasn't been that much of a problem. It's only been when an individual player just goes into Steph Curry mode mm-hmm. for a game. That's the only time that's really ever even impacted App. On offense, the big thing you can point to is shooting. Shooting is still isn't that great. Um, App this year, compared to last year, they've done a really good job at starting to push the pace and running out in transition and trying to get baskets at the rim. I mean, they've done a good job there. 
Um, and inside the three-point line, they've been really efficient this year. And I know some people may just look at the overall stats and not notice that as much on offense. But, I mean, if you look at their overall field goal percentage, they're actually tied for first in the whole Sun Belt mm. at around 47% from the field. I think they're tied with JMU. And then inside the three-point line, they're shooting 55%, which is really good uh, whenever you get inside the three-point line. But from the three-point range... You know, and the free throw line, as we alluded to a little bit earlier, they just they haven't been as good. Thirty-one um, percent from threes, below average for some belt play, and then sixty-six percent from the free throw line. A lot of that is partly due to you know Absent and Brown. They're not going to be great free throw shooters, and they're going to drag that down a bit. But it's still not great, and we have some other guys that could shoot a little better. But I feel like App really shouldn't like force the issue here. I don't think just because they're not shooting the three-point ball well, or they're not. Well, I mean, free throws, obviously, they they just have to work on that and get better at that. But three-point shooting, I just feel like they shouldn't go to a point where they shouldn't be attacking the rim because they're doing that really well right now. Trayvon Spillers is fantastic at finishing around the rim. I mean, it feels like every time he puts a shot up right around the basket, mm. he'll find a, he'll find a way to go in even if it's mm. being covered or not. Um, and they should work on shooting, and they should you know try to make it so it's not as much of a weakness later in the year. Uh, but they don't really have a lot of like spot-up shooters on the team except for probably Chris Mantis. And I still think they should run their offense in a similar way. Yeah, Nick, I'm right there with you. I'm pretty much bar for bar with you on this one. I think of, I just love how we're playing right now defensively. And finally, I feel like we just have the right guys to run Dustin Kern's scheme to perfection. This is what he dreamed up when he came here a few years ago to be our head coach, this exact team. And I think we have a chance to go a long ways. And I'm right there with you, though, on the shooting. Because, and Hunter, me and you were there, but when Josh Banks scored 30 on us in Hickory, yeah. there was no coming back that game. Yeah, it was over at halftime, basically, for App State. Yeah, it was. So that's why I think we just need to get a little better from the three-point range. I don't want Miles Tate. And, of course, we beat JMU, but he went two for nine from the field. And then Terrence Harkin went three for 11. So none of that's really good. I'd like them to shoot a little bit better if we get into a hole. But, of course, if we play within that little three, five-point range right there, we're controlling the game. We just like getting those little close battles. I just love how we respond to their energy every time. But if we get in that big hole, it scares me a little bit. That's what scares me going into the conference tournament. Somebody has some good shooting teams. But if we can get better at just a few things, I think we're Golden. Yeah, you just got to emphasize um, consistency with this team. Uh, we've seen firsthand how good they can play. We've also seen firsthand how bad they can play. And that can be the same guys on the court that play good and the same guys on the court that play really, really bad. And I just think we just got to just emphasize consistency, doing what we do well, playing defense, getting them blocks, and just doing that. And, you know, I know we got a lot to improve on, but it's only 10 regular season games left. I don't know how much improvement we're really going to see with the shooting and stuff like that. I think there can be a little bit of improvement, but just just be consistent on the things you do well, and I think that's just good enough to carry you through the rest of this season. But there is still a lot of basketball left to play. We need to also say that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I agree. Obviously, the strong suit is the defense, but the, this team's offense has improved so much right. this season from last year. The pacing is so much better. It feels like each each offense offensive possession has more potential than we saw last year, and I think that's huge. I do definitely agree with what you're saying, Ryan. You can't get in a hole with this team because a lot yeah. of this team is like their strength is down low. You're not going to shoot your way back into games, mm-hmm. so you have to stay with them. Now, I, first of all, I want to preface this next question by emphasizing, as you said, Hunter, tons of basketball left. <laughs> this has yeah. been talked Big about if. a decent amount. App States received a vote in the coaches' poll, yeah. a vote in the AP poll, but I want to emphasize tons of basketball to go. Tons. All right. But just for fun. Emphasis. Yeah. Just for fun. Let's just... Kicks yeah. and giggles. There you go. On Joe Lenardi's Bracketology app, 
State is currently sits as a 12 seed. At one point, it was Duke. Party. Now I think it's Dayton and his most it updated one. It was Utah one. State this morning, yeah. I thought. It's gotten changed around a yeah, couple times. I think it's times, Dayton now. Yeah. This, so this, of course, would depend on the Mountaineers finishing strong, winning the Sun Belt Championship. All this happens. Mm-hmm. Can App State make noise in the tournament? Absolutely. They can absolutely make a bunch of noise, make some noise in the NCAA tournament. Uh, I mean, we've kind of talked about it in this last segment, but this team just checks so many boxes right now. And they've already proven earlier in the year that they can beat a really good team that's going to be an NCAA tournament team in Auburn, who's currently 16th in the AP poll and is projected to be a fourth seed, so projected to be better than the team App State's going to play if the year ended today. Um, unless they get unlucky and they run into a team that's just red hot from three, which we've kind of mentioned is this team's weakness. If they're in this position, they can easily become the first App State men's basketball team to win an NCAA tournament game. Yeah, and I would love for App State to be the team that can make this big run. Be the you know mid-major story of the year, the Cinderella run. But I'm going to pump the brakes just a little bit right now because I think we got to see who we draw first. Because not all five seed, four seeds are built the same. There's some teams that are sliding down. Let's say Duke gets cold right now. And I think Duke's right around that five range anyway. But let's say they Ross. go ice cold. Last cold in the year. Let's just say they're ice yeah. cold. I'd love to see them. I'd love to see a team that's falling down the ranks. But if we get one of those five seeds, and we seem to have, see this happen a lot, that's just getting hot at the right time. Let's say a team that's kind of down on that 8-9 line won their conference tournament. They go up to a five at the end of the year. I'd hate to see one of those teams. The team I marked down right here, Iowa State, I love how they're playing right now. They play a lot like us, actually. So if we run into a team like that, just a bit more talented than us, but plays pretty similar, I wouldn't want to see that. But if we pull one of those ice-cold teams, I think we can. Yeah, I think as long as Trayvon Spillers is scoring 20 a game and Justin Napson's getting three to four blocks, I think we have a chance to really make some noise in the NCAA tournament. But I will want to note this. We've already talked about it a little bit, but you know we beat Auburn, but we did that at home in front of 7,000-plus fans. Mm-hmm. We have mm-hmm. played a neutral site game, and one of the biggest losses we had was at a neutral site, Uh-oh. and that was in against NCAA and Hickory. <laughs> so you know if we do go off, it's going to be on a neutral site. It's not going to be here in front of 8,000 fans. You're not going to have that kind of energy. So still, it'll be interesting to see how the team performs down at the Sun Belt tournament because it'll be kind of similar to that. But I, I think if this team keeps playing the way they can, I think we could make some noise. Yeah, I think it's very interesting. I think it helps just how good of a defense this team has. Right. Uh, you oh, see yeah. a lot of teams like maybe make a little bit of noise because they get hot, but then eventually that cool off. off. No, yeah. But just the fact that this team is top six in the country in blocks, field goal shooting, defense, and rebounds, it's a team that's built to, yeah, do stuff in the NCAA tournament, but most importantly, hopefully fare well trying to get there in the Sun Belt Conference Tournament, not too far away. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we get back, we're going to be talking about some NFL on Sports Wrap. Don't go anywhere. Want to join the WASU team? Get your business the recognition you deserve with underwriting at 90.5 WASU-FM. We play business as spots during our shows, music, and sports games as you cheer on your Mountaineers. Being in the official campus radio station, we reach the App State student body like nobody else. If you're interested in getting your business out to WASU listeners, just contact us at sales.wasu at gmail.com. Appalachian State University's The Schaefer Center Presents series features Carmina Burana, Carl Orff's epic choral ode to love, drink, and living life to the fullest. Performed by Western Piedmont Symphony, Appalachian State University singers, and Appalachian Choral, February 10th at 7.30 p.m. Information at theschafercenter.org. 
Anna Bananas is a longtime supporter of WASU-FM, App State's college radio station. Anna Bananas Fine Consignment Store buys, sells, trades, and serves Boone from 641 West King Street. You can follow Anna Bananas on Instagram and Facebook. App State's New River Light and Power Green Power Program brings clean, climate-friendly energy to the high country. Renewable sources of energy replace carbon-based electric use, lowering our carbon footprint, and helping to protect the environment. The power is yours. Learn more about the Green Power Program today at nrlp.appstate.edu. This program is sponsored by Eggers Law Firm, located on West King Street in downtown Boone. From business to traffic matters, the Eggers Law Firm has provided legal service to the high country since 1950. As fourth-generation Appalachian alumni, the Eggers Law Firm is here to assist you with legal help when you need it. The Eggers Law Firm, 737 West King Street. It's Doug Rice from the Performance Racing Network, and when I'm on the road covering NASCAR, you know I always tune in to Sports Wrap for all the latest sports news from the high country on the number one college radio station in the nation, 90.5 WASU. Not only was last weekend a huge weekend for Boone, it was also a big-time weekend in the NFL. We got two great championship games to set up the Super Bowl. Let's begin by looking at the NFC Championship. The Lions dominated the entire first half, leading 24-7 going into the break. But the 49ers stormed all the way back and booked their flight to Las Vegas. Dan Campbell was heavily criticized for electing to go for it on fourth down in field goal range twice in the game. Did I? Am I hearing Brock chance whispered <laughs> into my ears right now? Yeah, because he led the drive. Yeah, yeah. The guy, multiple drives. It's my that. dog. You're a Lions fan, Hunter. This I am a Lions fan, but you know, there is a little. He also loves him some Brock Pookie, you know? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> he jumped off that ship quick. All right, do you agree with Dan Campbell sticking with what got the Lions to the NFC Championship by this aggressive play calling, or do you fault him for the loss? Well, I'll say in terms of going for it on fourth down, which is what the question is mainly about, I do agree with him being aggressive on going for it and trying to get trying to get touchdowns on the on those drives. I mean, he's just the Lions, that's just who they are. That's who they've been the entire season, whether it's helped them win games like the opener against Kansas City where they faked a punt deep in their own territory to get a first down, or against the Chargers where they could have kicked a field goal to take the lead but instead went for it on fourth down, converted so they can run the clock out and kick a field goal as time expired to win the game. And they've they've lost a few games being aggressive. The main one is the Dallas game. Um, obviously, they got screwed over by the refs where mm, yep. uh, their lineman that reported eligible, he thought it was a different guy. He thought it was the wrong number. Foolish. And uh, But they, they still went for two after that. Most yeah, coaches yeah. in that situation <laughs> would have just kicked the extra point. Uh, the 38-yard extra point just went to overtime instead of going for it again at the 7-yard line. But that's just who the Lions have been. And I would have been upset to see the Lions lose a game like that just being conservative at the very end instead of trying to be aggressive and do what they did to get to this point. I will say that say this, though. I don't understand why the Lions only ran the ball eight times in the second half. Uh, they were running the ball up and down their throat in the first half. In the second half, they had the lead. Mm-hmm. And I know Gibbs had that fumble that was Uh-oh. not not good. And that really led to the Niners being able to tie up the score quicker. Uh, but that I didn't get. And I also didn't really get the decision to run the deep handoff at the one-yard line when they had <laughs> three timeouts left. Because that likely would have taken away their last chance to really tie the game. Because even if they didn't get the onside kick and they had three timeouts, they could have at least had a Hail Mary chance at getting a field goal. Um, 
But in terms of going for it on a fourth down, that's just who the Lions have been, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree with you, Nick. I really respect Dan Campbell for coming in there and just saying, this is our philosophy. We've done this all year long. We're going to do it again. Now, if I'm the head coach of Lions, I'm probably not going to do that. I'm probably taking my points right there and trusting your boys at the very end to get a couple stops, going in there maybe win the game on a field goal. But you can't just change your philosophy just because it's a big game. The lights can't be too bright for you in the moment to you give up on what you've done all year. And it was just really unfortunate because it's not like the fourth down plays were really that bad. One of them was dropped. Maybe it was a bit off by Jared Goff, but it was still near the hands of Josh Reynolds. He could have caught it. So I think that the fourth down plays were in the playbooks, in the stars for the Lions. I think you've got to try it. It just didn't work out. I can hear one of my offensive coaches in high school right now saying, if it hits you in your hands, you should have caught it. Got to catch it. Mm -hmm. But I just want to clear some things up, though, because I am a Lions fan. Mm -hmm. I do really love the Lions. But there's there's been this conversation in this office about Brock Purdy. And I can't lie when I say I did want Brock Purdy to perform good. We love Brock. But I wanted the Lions to win. Just want to clear that up. But... I love the I love the play call. I mean, three years ago when Dan Campbell was introduced as a Lions head coach, that's when I was that's when they got me because he got up there and he talked about biting kneecaps and doing this and doing that, and I was like, I love this guy. And ever since that day, he has been the same person. He he goes for fourth down all the time. It's been the same way through three seasons. When they won three games in a season, Dan Campbell was going for it on fourth down, and that didn't change in the playoffs. So I don't I don't mind it at all. You do what you do as a team and that's his philosophy and he did it the only thing i'll bring up though that i didn't like before the half he he decided to kick the field goal when they were right there to punch it in and it's like if you're gonna kick the field goal before the half why go for it in the second half you know stay kind of consistent that's kind of what i'd want to see through him but you know i don't mind it at all unfortunately for the lions it didn't work out but you know you gotta catch the ball Nick, I was just going to say you were bringing up the field goal at the end of the first half. Yeah, I think it's interesting you brought that up because I remember vividly the commentators like trying to set up the fact that they thought that <laughs> yeah. the Lions were going to go like, for it. Yeah. Like, They're like on. really trying to set it up, and they was like, "Oh nope, Michael Badgley." Like got Dan, Dan Gamble, Dan yeah. Gamble, like I, I, that is the exact moment that he would usually go for it, but he decided not to. So I was like, "Okay, maybe he's going to be a little bit more conservative in this game." But then in the second half. It just didn't happen. Also, I want to say this. Only one man has been able to stop Ben Johnson. Probably keeps Ben Johnson up at night, and that's Steve Wilkes. You know, one thing I hate about more every reason why the surrounding around Brock Purdy is just so good. That defense is great. What a guy. But I digress. Sorry. But yeah, yeah, I was just about to mention. No, no, one thing I hate about commentators, this is going off track for a second, but every time it's fourth down, they're like, the analytics say to go for it here. Like, no, it's the coach's decision. Stop saying the analytics say this or that. I'm tired of you. you think- every time the Lions go for it, it's because of the analytics. It's not because of the analytics. It's because Dan Gamble's got the balls on him. No, it's because Dan Gamble's like, my guys are struggling, your guys man, and we're just going to bully you exactly. off the line, man, no, we're going to bite your kneecap, do you man. Think, do you think Dan Campbell cares at all about the analytics? He probably doesn't even know the analytics exist. It's whatever just, his gut says. If exactly. his gut says to go for it, he's going to go for it. Yeah, his gut always says to go for it, except that one time he didn't go for it for the half, which yeah, I'm still trying, a baffled about. You know, trying to pad your lead a little bit. Well, what would you like? Well, I, I would love to hear your take. Okay, that's just not a real... That's different from all the other times, because on that field goal, they're at the one-yard line, and it's about to expire and go to halftime. So if you don't get it, you don't get the field advantage that you would if you 
go for it and don't get it. Where the other ones, when you do that and there's time left on the clock, you're still pinning the defense or the offense back. So kicking the field goal there made sense because if you don't get it, like usually when you're at the goal line and you go for it, you can either not get it, but then the offense is at the one yard line. That wouldn't have happened because it would have expired. The only my only rebuttal is that's a logical take, and the Lions have not been logical on their fourth downs. <laughs> yeah. They yeah. haven't. Yeah. 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 That is a great yeah. take. It's very logical, but that's not how Dan Campbell works. He goes. Yeah. He's a football guy. He doesn't think logically. It's just not like him to do that. I think if they would have punched that in, it'd have been different. But yeah, great take. But still, okay, Cody. Dan Dan Campbell. We don't think of him this way because we look at him and he's this big guy and he's talking about biting kneecaps. But he definitely takes analytics into it a little bit. I think. I think a lot of his aggressiveness (laughs) is analytic based. We just don't like to look at him that way because of the way he looks and the way he talks. But to to your point, and that's I set that up to say. A lot of it is feel of the game, and when your offense looked that great, because we were just talking about Steve Wilkes and like uh, this defense, but to be fair, the Lions did score 31 points. Their offense looked so good for so much of that game to where you're feeling like you have, you have the confidence in your team to be able to convert on fourth down. Unfortunately, they didn't, and that may be the reason why you're lost. But to Nick's point, I'd rather that be the reason why you lost by doing what got you there than to all of a sudden turn conservative mm-hmm. and then you lose for that reason. So I get it. Do, do what got you there, and that's what he did. After the game, Dan Campbell said that he told his players that this might have been their only shot, saying it will be twice as hard to get to this point next year, which sounds very negative. He said it in a light that sure, are just going to have to work harder, but all the same, he says that. Do you think the Lions will get back to this point again, or was this really their only shot? Hunter, the Lions fan, we'll start with you. Oh, yeah, it it will. And I think even bigger news today, Ben Johnson has taken his name out of the the carousel of head coaches. He's going back to Detroit to be the offensive coordinator. This is like a blockbuster free agent signing because the biggest thing with these teams is the turnover sometimes at the coordinator position. So let's look at the Eagles. The Eagles had a lot of turnover last year, lost both coordinators. Didn't look as good this year. So being able to keep their offensive coordinator, I think their D.C. might stay. I know he's getting some head coaching talks as well. We, we'll see about that. But just having that play caller in is great. You don't have to go through the offensive play callers again. Find another one. Completely change your scheme. He's there. And look at the young guys on that team. All right. I mean, look at that. The four rookies that they drafted in this past draft, Samuel Laporta, uh, Jameer Gibbs, uh, Brian Branch, and then also the linebacker from Iowa. I'm blanking on his name. Jack oh, Campbell. Jack Campbell. Jack yep. Campbell. Just those guys right there, they're on the first year. They've just completed their rookie year. They're still on rookie contracts. Then Adrian Hutchinson. Uh, St. Brown is still – he's got another year or two left. Mm-hmm. So that team, their window is wide open right now. So they're just going to have to take advantage of that because in a couple of years we might be talking something different. But right now, yes, I think they'll be back. Yeah, I'm, I'm agreeing with you here. I think that they will be back. But I really hope this is not a flash-in-the-pan team because we saw teams all the time. They just have that one great year, and the team I think of the most, the team I, no, but the team I think of the most is uh, back in 2017, the Jaguars. We thought they were young back then. Blake Borders was a young quarterback. Thought he was blossoming into his own. That defense was amazing, Saxonville, and they were just a one-year team. They just weren't as good. But to your point, Hunter, just keeping both the coordinators, probably both the coordinators. I doubt Aaron Glenn get tired. But keeping Ben Johnson, it's going to be one of the longest tenured offensive coordinators because the average right now is a year. And you, you brought up the Eagles as well. They just got rid. 
rid of both their guys last year. They got head coaching jobs. Then this year, they fired them both. Yeah. So that really hurts the team. And that's why the Eagles got eliminated round one, and the Lions made it all the way to the NFC title game. So I think keeping everybody around, all the guys on contract, gives them an advantage, but I'm not. I'm going to be quiet on it for a little bit. Yeah, I definitely think with all the continuity coming back in Detroit, I think they're going to be back in the playoffs next year, and I think they'll be a competitive team. Uh, but it you know, it's just, it's hard to get back to where they were. Yeah. It's hard, it's really hard to go back to m- making a conference championship, let alone earning a 24-7 to halftime lead and being a half away from getting to the Super Bowl. Um, and the Lions, just like most other teams that are competitive at this point, they'll still have to have things go their way if they want to get back to this point. And, I mean, I just, I can't ignore their history. I can't ignore what the what happened the last time the Lions made it to the, what happened after the Lions made it to the NFC Championship last time where they looked like oh they had Barry Sanders, you know, they looked like they were going to have them for years and years and years and they'd be competitive and then they didn't win a playoff game till now. Uh it's hard for me to look back at that and just not have my gut say that they may make the playoffs, but I don't really see, see them being half away from making the Super Bowl anytime soon, but I'm hope I'm wrong. I like this Detroit team. I think Detroit will be back. As Hunter mentioned, Jameer Gibbs, Sam Laporta, Brian Branch, a, a whole bunch of rookies that yeah. were very, very good for Jack picks. Campbell. And Jack Campbell as well. <laughs> very good rookies. Great picks that they made. They're drafting well, evidently. They're talking to Jared Goff right now about getting an extension. So it's just opening that window longer. Yeah. And you look at the anatomy of the NFC a little bit, and there are teams that are, imp- are improving. The Packers are going to be even better teams such as that. But you look at as at the NFC as a whole, and I think that it shows a pretty wide window for the next couple of years yeah. for the Lions to get back to this point, and maybe further, hopefully further, if you like the story or if you're a Lions fan like Hunter. So I, I agree. I think, I think they'll be One pride. I think they'll be back. So moving out of the NFC and into the AFC, the Chiefs played in their sixth straight AFC title game and are now going to their fourth Super Bowl in five years after beating the Ravens 17-10 to in Baltimore. Obviously not how the Ravens wanted to end their season. Had the one seed. It really felt like this was their year. They just felt like a different team. They lose. Who is the biggest to blame in the Ravens' loss to the Chiefs? I know this might sound weird just hearing this first, but I feel like the Ravens themselves are the biggest reason for their own demise. I mean, I feel like they just beat themselves, especially in the second half, whether it was just abandoning the run game. I mean, they only had 11 design runs, and the game was never really out of their out of reach throughout the whole game. And, you know, considering the team they have, they really should have tried to find more ways to establish a run game. Whether it was the two turnovers in the end zone, one on a fumble by Zay Flowers on the one-yard line, and the other one on a bad interception by Lamar Jackson to triple coverage, or just a bunch of stupid penalties in, during the game. I just feel like their mistakes play the biggest role in them losing and not making it to the Super Bowl. Um, I mean, they, they ended up just wasting a really good performance by Baltimore's defense. They shut out the Chiefs in the second half. Um, and they've outgained them. They did a lot of things right, but it just whether it was just play calling, abandoning who they really were throughout the whole year, whether it was mistakes when they were driving in to cut into the Chiefs' lead, whether it was making dumb mistakes, I just feel like if they didn't get in their own way, they would really be playing in the Super Bowl right now against the Niners. But that that's just not what happened. You know, Todd Munkin, I hope you are looking at yourself in the mirror right now and realizing you are the reason 
the Ravens are in the Super Bowl. You cannot, in the second half, completely abandon the run game like you did. And throughout all the game, really, just completely, you all year, you were this team, that smash mouth, shove it down the throat type of team. But you just went away from it at the end. And I understand Lamar did not have a great game. He did not have his best performance. But he still played good enough to where you could have used his legs. Because he was good on the ground, not too great to the air. But if you would have kept running what you did all year, you would have been fine. You probably would have beat the Ravens. And one more person. I usually don't like to bash players, but Zay Flowers, what are you doing, man? Hmm. What are you doing? And it's not really the fumbling to the end zone. It's really more him getting up and taunting, going and flexing on a man, thinking you're him when you're down. You're trying to get back into this game, and Zay Flowers is going to just throw it all away. They have to end fumble on the goal line and say, oh, my hand got cut up. And then on, on Twitter today, he's talking about it's the rest fault. So, Zay Flowers, you're a clown, and the Ravens should have been in the Super Bowl. <laughs> Shout out to Joe Burrow, by the way, tweeting, uh, let the boys taunt. Yeah. I got a good chuckle yeah. out of that one. I love Joe Burrow. But I almost put Isaiah Likely, you know, the Coastal Carolina player. <laughs> through plot, the hand like, up. Through the, through the <laughs> hand That's up. That's what I was going to say. It was a bad row, row, but, but, man, yeah. you're, you're running into triple coverage. Yeah. 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 That's Hey, that's that Coastal education. <laughs> I love, love the confidence. I mean, if you even have an inch on the guy, you think you're wide open. But I, I didn't put him. I'm sticking with y'all. I'm putting a name to it. Nick, and you already said it, Ryan. It's Todd Munkin. Turned into almost Greg Roman out there in this game, and just just completely given up on the run game, seemed like. Only 16 carries for 81 yards, and 54 of those yards were from Lamar Jackson. And this is a team that averaged around 32 attempts a game in the regular season. You just you can't go away from what makes you good. And I know you're playing from behind. You've got to throw the ball good. But the way that team can run the ball, they, they shouldn't have abandoned it that easy. And I think that's a big reason why they didn't win this game. I agree. A lot of it's on Todd Munkin and just the play calling and the fact that they had six designed rushes to running backs, Mm -hmm. six handoffs to running backs in that game is obviously not very good at all. And the fact that the game, they were never down by more than 10. Yeah, right right there. It was never too much to where you have to start forcing it through the air. The defense stepped up. I mean, they shut out the Chiefs in the second half, and you had the opportunity to continue to run due to that. And they just completely went away from it, which I also found to be odd. You know, and one thing that really should concern you if you're a Ravens fan, you're probably losing one of these coordinators. I bet Mike McDonald leaves and goes somewhere. Whether that's Washington or that's Seattle, you're losing the guy who completely kept you in that game in the second half. Just great adjustments by Mike McDonald, one of the bright young defensive minds, and you're probably going to lose him. So are you going to be back in this situation? I I feel sick for him because I don't think they're going to be back. I agree. And I... I'm just tired of the whole refs rigged thing. I know. Dude, it's not. Pack it up. Get it out of here. There's not a script. It's it's starting to get on my nerves just a tad bit here in the whole whole go around. Because the refs obviously made Zay Flowers. Made you, down, made you fumble, and just throw the ball in his face, ta- like flex <laughs> on him, stand over him, tap his chest. Yeah, the referees definitely told Isaiah Likely throw the hand up and triple. Yeah, down. no, they said uh, <laughs> uh, when they jumped off size late. Yeah, truck the guard. Yeah, while yeah. he's in his day, yeah, push him over. Yeah, the Get script writers. Yeah, yeah. All right, so the Ravens not able to get the job done. Lamar Jackson did not play at the level that we've gotten used to seeing him over the last couple of months. Lamar finished with 272 passing yards, a touchdown, and an interception later that night. Purdy played well, and McCaffrey had a huge game. Ryan, we'll start with you. Is the MVP open again, or is it still locked down by Lamar? Boy, I sure hope it is. I really, I really <laughs> hope so. You know, I'll be logic for one second. 
I do think Lamar still wins it, sadly yeah. enough. But boy, Should I'd he? love nothing more. Should he? I'd love nothing more than Brock Purdy to win it. Because just to see the look <laughs> yeah. on your face, to see the look <laughs> on the man sitting over there in the corner's face, if Brock Purdy wins an MVP, it'd be amazing. And then he gets to hoist the Lombardi above his head as well, because they're going to win the Super Bowl. It'd take my year, I know that. And we're only a couple of days into it. <laughs> but, but, but. If this is a regular season award, which they claim it is, they yeah. claim it is. I understand they, they claim have it is, but they vote now, which is strange. See, they vote now. Hey, you know bad, that news, bad news, bad news, buddy. Bad news. It might be Brock Purdy's, but if it is a regular season oh, award, I think Lamar got him beat yeah. just that little bit. But hey, Brock Pookie, bring it home. <laughs> yeah, I, I I still think Lamar is gonna lock down. I, I look at it as a regular season award. I think that's how the voters do as well. And Lamar had the best regular season, maybe despite Christian McCaffrey, but. They're not going to bring themselves to give it to a running back whenever he probably should deserve it. But you can't dispute almost 3,700 passing yards, you know, 24 touchdowns, seven interceptions with 800 rushing yards to add to that. You just can't do that. I know he didn't play extremely well in the playoffs, but looking at his regular season, uh, I still like Lamar. Yeah, I mean, the only way a running back's winning it, let's be real, it's Adrian Peterson having 2,000 yards with Christian Ponder as a quarterback dragging a team to, his, to the playoffs. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a pretty much higher standard for any non-quarterback. And I mean, I understand if people wanted to make a case for someone else, but I still feel like, as we mentioned earlier, the MVP is considered a regular season award, and Lamar should still win it. Um, and, I mean, he had a really good year. We can't discount how good of a year he had for the Ravens, even though it ended in a dud. But I don't think Baltimore's failure in the playoffs should just completely change the way people view the award if it's considered a regular season one. Yeah. Well, regular season, as in really good December for a team that's very good. Because outside of <laughs> December, Lamar Jackson did not play incredibly hey, well. So, hey, that, <laughs> means you should, that means you should <laughs> be on the party December train. December was good. Yeah. I, I, I lean towards the non-quarterback train on a year like this. If it's a year like this and it's going to a QB, it's never going to a non-QB again. <laughs> Which, you know, is where we are. Unless we have we a, another Adrian Peterson, 2,000 yeah. yards with yeah, no this, quarterback. This has got to be the closest we're going to get to that with Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, yeah. 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 probably yeah. so. Not going to happen. All right, so speaking of Brock Purdy. Yes, he, let's go. Let's go! I love talking talk about, about Brock Purdy. Purdy on this show. Brock. He had another terrible three quarters, huh? followed up by a Brock. good Brock. fourth quarter. Brock. Once again, doing Brock. enough to get the Brock. win. Brock. 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 I can't. Brock. I can't finish. Brock. 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 All right. So, <laughs> Brock Purdy had another terrible three quarters, followed by a good fourth quarter. Once again, doing enough to get the win. Now he gets set to play the best. Football player ever, Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes has had over 700 passing yards, four touchdowns, and zero interceptions in this playoff run for the Chiefs. So, with the talent on the Niners, he doesn't necessarily have to be the better quarterback, but can Brock Purdy do enough to go toe-to-toe with Patrick Mahomes and win the Super Bowl? Hunter, let's start this with you, and we'll go around. Can he do it? Yes, Yes, he can! (laughs) That's exactly right. Purdy has shown that he can play with the upper echelon of NFL quarterbacks. He doesn't have to be Patrick or Mahomes. That's not what I'm saying. You're not the best quarterback in the league. You're not the second or maybe first best quarterback ever in the history of the league. You just got to do what you got to do well. You got to rely on your weapons, and I know that's used against you a lot, but you have the weapons in front of you. You might as well use them. But rely on those weapons. Play with the anticipation that you do so well. And just don't turn the ball over, which is what you've done all season. It's what you've done since you've stepped into the league last year. I know you're listening, Blara Brock, so just listen to me right here. Just, I know you can do it. You don't have to be Patrick. Just do what you do well, and you'll win this ball game. 
Brock Purdy is a winner, and all he does is win. And that's what we've seen these past couple weeks. He's led a game-winning drive versus the Packers. Let a second half comeback versus the Lions. Duh. Will he have the stat sheet that Patrick Mahomes has? No. no. He will not. Does he need to? No. Patrick Mahomes, he's going to have a great game. He's going to stuff the stat sheet. But Brock Purdy's going to come out there and win the game, which is what he does. And he's going to hoist that Lombardi. It's going to be beautiful. Oh, it's yeah. Really great. Yeah, I definitely think Purdy can. As I alluded, as alluded to earlier, the Niners have a really talented offense. And I think, you know, I still feel like Mahomes obviously is a better quarterback overall than yeah, Purdy. We're not debating that. Yeah, yeah, yeah we're not yeah, debating yeah, that. Yeah, I would agree. But I feel like. Even these two I feel to like, my left don't believe. But I, <laughs> but I was going to say, I feel like. Objectively, the Niners just have way more talent on offense outside of the quarterback position. I mean, obviously Pacheco's good for Kansas City, but he's not McCaffrey good. Um, even though the Chiefs do have Travis Kelsey, George Kittle isn't that far below, and then Ayuk and Debo Samuel around him, I feel like are better receivers than who the Chiefs have. Not to say like Rice isn't a good receiver, especially for a rookie, but the Niners just have game changers up and down the roster. Um, so I just I definitely can feel like he can keep up with Mahomes and to win the Super Bowl. You know, Cody, I got a question for you. What are yeah. you going to do when Pat Mahomes plays the best he can, has an amazing game, but he throws it over there to Kadarius Tony? Ball's hitting the ground, <laughs> buddy. Kadarius Tony's hurt. He's yeah, at home. He, he might he be, will not be here. He's well, not man. injured. He's no, back he's and he's all right. Well, what about, what about he's, love? Uh, this team's he's working through things. That's what yeah, he's yeah. working yeah. through some things. It's called I can't catch ice. It's called I'm a bum. That's what it is. It's going to yes. be a battle of scantlings and be wide open 50 yards down the Uh-oh. field. <laughs> yeah, anybody outside Rasheed Rice, I do not try. Hey, MVS yeah. can catch now. MVS can catch now. It's a miracle. Hey, i got to give it up to Patrick Mahomes. All season, his wide receivers have not played very well. I want to change my words from what I about said. But um, but I have to give it to him. He could have complained all year long about those receivers, but he didn't. He complained about the refs instead. <laughs> he found something else to complain about. <laughs> yeah, he's got to complain about something. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, that that's the biggest thing is he doesn't have to go toe to toe with Mahomes. He can just let he can accept a whole lot of help to get there. Yeah, I'm not telling his fault. you, Brock Purdy was fault, almost yeah. he was he was so close. He was so close to being exposed for the player <laughs> he is after those three terrible quarters, uh-huh. and then a player, then a ball, a 50 yard deep ball falls Baller. off the face mask of Beautiful a defender. It's Beautiful. a completion. And it's somehow Beautiful. completed, and then they score a touchdown, and the next play it's fumbled into the Niners' red zone. It would have been it would have been in his receiver's hands if Kendall Vildor wasn't back there at DPI. <laughs> Obvious DPI at that. Shoved Ayuk back. That's why I hit him in the face mask, because he's out there I doing commit penalties. No wonder. I got flamed for this the other day, but sometimes you just got to have luck on your side, and the 49ers have luck on he's their got side. That so Brock Purdy is an elite quarterback because he has luck on his side. <laughs> I mean, are you going to blame him for stuff like that? I can't happening? blame Sometimes him for you just got to like have that, the football guys on like, your side. I can't watch that throw and be like, oh, wow, Brock Purdy is hey, elite. I can't. I can't watch that. I can't. Oh, yeah, There's some quarterbacks that we won't have to mention that we've talked a lot about you know, in regards with Brock Purdy that probably would have overthrew him by 15 yards if he threw that That would have been the better yeah, yeah. yeah, you know, and it starts with a Dak and ends with a press card. That's who it is. Yeah. Overthrowing him by 15 yards would have been the better throw. No, it yeah. wouldn't have. It wouldn't have been caught at that point. Yeah. Brock Purdy put it where it needed to be. It's it's exactly right. 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 The only place his receiver could have possibly Let, caught it. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Letting his guy go out there and make a play. The Niners are currently two point favorites, and they they have America on their side a little bit because it was lower. Now the the line is increasing towards San Francisco, and a lot of that is a lot of it's the rest of the team. But I 
I will say this because I said a lot of things a week ago, and I will say that in my opinion, Brock Purdy has elevated his game past game manager. Yeah, okay. finally, finally, that's he admits it. I will not call Brock Purdy a game manager anymore. Would I still take 14, 15, 16 quarterbacks ahead of him? Oh my god! Yes, yes, I would. Unbelievable, but. He he made he made some throws. He made some nice throws. Winner and looked looked good in the fourth quarter, which he seems he seems to do, which is great. Respect him in the clutch gene. But if he could do it all all four, that's okay. what he doesn't need to do it all four. He does it when it counts. So yeah, that's right. When the lights are the brightest, he turn he yeah. yeah come he on. Well, you got guys like Dak. The lights turn on. You're, you're cowering away. <laughs> you got Brock Purdy. The lights are on. He's at his best. Yeah. He turned into prime Tom. Well, I got when the lights are on. Well, that's, I got that's Tom, Tom made a career talking to me instead of Mike McCarthy. <laughs> I'm feeling a whole lot better. All right. So it's our first show since the Super Bowl has been set. So we'll do a super early pick. What is your Super Bowl early pick to win and the score? Nick, we'll start with you. Um, Yeah, so I'll I'll just say this. On paper, I feel like the Niners should easily win this game. Um, I feel like they just they have a much better team, but I've just I've seen Kansas I've seen this story happen too often where there's a team that should win this game and then they get to the Super Bowl and they don't. Um, I feel like the Chiefs really should have lost all the way back into the divisional round if everything was just on paper. So I'm just going off my gut. I'm going to give it to Kansas City, 31 to 27. You know, I think the Chiefs are going to have a very good game. I think Patrick Mahomes is going to show why he's up there in the top 10 quarterbacks of all time. He's going to throw it all around the field, make this Steve Wilkes defense not look as great as it's been all year. But I think, and you know the man, when it comes down to crunch time, if you got the man holding the rock and his name's Brock Purdy, anything can happen. Give me the 49ers a game-winning drive as time expires, 35-31, the 49ers win. You might be shocked that I say this, but I'm just kidding. I'm not going to pick the Chiefs. i got to ride with the 49ers. I look back all the way back to August to my first ever sports rap episode that I've ever been on, and I actually had the Super Bowl correct. I had the 49ers over the Chiefs. Oh, crap. I just gave up my pick. But I had the 49ers and Chiefs <laughs> in the Super Bowl. I had the Chiefs over the Bengals, which was, of course, before Joe Burrow well, got hurt. Yeah, I had the 49ers over the Eagles, which oh, was well. before they absolutely they forgot fall, how to play fell football. apart. Uh, you know, they two or three games. They couldn't tackle in the playoffs. That's right. But I've got to stick with them now. I've, I've got to pick the 49ers. I've got to stick with my original score. I love Brock Purdy. I don't know if the fans at home know this, but I do love Brock Purdy. I think he will <laughs> prove the doubters wrong in this game. And um, I kind of forgot that we had to pick a score, so I'm just going to put down what I honestly think it's going to be. It's going to be 47 to 21. 47? <laughs> yeah. yeah, tell them Brock's dominating. Yeah, <laughs> dominate. Yeah. Brock, what, what's the Brock Purdy <laughs> stat line going to be? He's going to go, hold on. Uh, 450 a, and four touchdowns. I was about to say, it's going to be like 450, give, four touchdowns. Give me give me what you what you really think Brock Purdy's highest ceiling could be in the Super Bowl. 450, four touchdowns. If Brock Purdy has 450, four touchdowns, they win and he wins the Super Bowl MVP, I will get a tattoo that says Brock Purdy is elite. Can't wait. Okay. You need yeah, that. Yeah, you better, be there, yeah, better, better get started house. looking around for the tattoo parlor, buddy, because <laughs> it's going to happen. We yeah. clip 450 and four touchdowns, and I'll get a Brock Purdy's elite tattoo on my body. All right. I Listen, the 49ers have one of the best coaches in the league. The 49ers have the best running back in the league. The 49ers have a great defense. The 49ers have a great wide receiving core. But there's one thing that the 49ers don't have, and that's a guy who in his last two playoff runs has had over 1,600 passing yards, has had 11 passing touchdowns, has had zero interceptions, <gasps> and that's a guy who after Sunday, next Sunday, 
is going to show why he is the greatest of all time. And that's Patrick Mahomes. Boo. Patrick Mahomes. He's been so great. And even when he's been quiet this season, he has not made mistakes. And that's what I love to see. A week ago on this show, I was told about how the Chiefs couldn't stop mobile quarterbacks. And I was told about how (laughs) the Chiefs couldn't stop the run. And I was they didn't told, need to. Hey, they, they stopped it enough. They ran it th- three times and said, we're not running it anymore. They yeah, stopped it so much they totally forgot they could do it. And I was told how the Chiefs only scored what they did enough to win because the Bills were missing half of their defense. Yet the Chiefs stopped the run enough. The Chiefs ended up having 40 minutes of possession time against the best one of the best defenses in the league. And... Of course, a lot of that is they have the Patrick Mahomes. I'm taking the Chiefs to win 24 to 17. Hold on one second. Patrick um, Mahomes can wins you, his third. Can you tell me what your uh, number one listen to artist is? Just and we'll move straight to the next. My number one. We'll move straight. We'll move straight to the next segment. All, all you gotta right, do is right, tell right, me your right, number yep. one listen to mm-hmm. artist, your favorite mm-hmm. artist of all time, mm-hmm. and then we'll move straight to it. We don't have to talk yeah, more about. Okay, it. Okay. Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna be straight up with you. If it's it, not who you think. Well, I know where you're going. Just tell me your favorite artist. I know. If it's not your number one listen to artist, it's okay. You're your favorite artist of all time. You, you, I think you traveled all the way. Yes, you still made it. Traveled all the way up (laughs) to New York to watch watch whoever it was playing. So you're saying I got some bias? You know the one. You know the one that got famous because of Kanye. I just glazed Patrick Mahomes so much. I mean, there's and didn't even mention her name. Okay, we can move on. Move on. You know, actually, that's before we move on. Over under on Travis proposing to not gonna happen. Not gonna happen. The odds are are so high. It's not gonna happen. It's not going to happen. They've been together for a minute. But I will say one thing about the Taylor Swift. It is wild that the NFL has gone so far to rig the Super Bowl (laughs) just so Taylor Swift will be there. Dakota Johnson was not kidding when she said Taylor Swift is the most powerful person in America. Because apparently the NFL has rigged the Super Bowl just so she could be there. I believe it. Respect Taylor on my screen so many times. I I wouldn't put it past them. (laughs) That's what they did, so... All respect to her. She is deciding sports. She's deciding everything. Let's talk about a guy now to end the show that knows Super Bowls pretty well but hasn't sniffed one in a minute. Over the last couple of weeks, Bill Belichick has not found a home. The Titans, Panthers, Chargers, and Falcons have all hired new head coaches. Panthers got Dave Canales. Jim Harbaugh went to the Chargers. And after lots of talks with Bill Belichick, the Falcons went with Rams defensive coordinator Raheem Morris. Belichick, who is 26 wins away from Don Shula's all-time win record and has said he would like to hit it, has not found a home. The only teams left needing a head coach are the Commanders and the Seahawks. What does Bill Belichick's coaching future look like? And would you want him as the new head coach of your team if you're Washington or Seattle? Yeah, I mean, honestly, for as good as Bill Belichick has been for New England, I I don't know if he has the coaching future that it people would think he have just look, he has just looking at his resume. I mean, he's getting up there in age. He's already 71 and at this point, I don't think he'll take a job. He just that he doesn't feel like he's a really good fit for. So I think he's going to be picky about what he wants to get into. And also, I feel like a lot of NFL teams might be looking for a younger voice, might be looking for a new voice to lead their team for the future. Um, and he may only have like one more coaching job left just with those combined factors at most. And for this cycle too, 
Um, like the, the teams that are left. If I was Seattle, I would not go after him. I feel like it would be a weird move to fire Pete Carroll because yeah. he was getting up there in age and he was an older voice, you know, for Bill Belichick. Um, I might consider it for Washington. I don't know if I'd do it, but Washington might be a better fit for him just with the situation they're in and how they have a, how they have a team that could use an older voice. You know, let me preface this by saying uh, I would love Bill Belichick on any team. If you're any team, I think Bill Belichick. He's a good option for you. He's a great coach. Keep him out the front office. I don't want him out here drafting players like Mac Jones again. But with Bill Belichick, he's one of the greatest coaches of all time. And if you're the Falcons, dumb move, by the way. You're just going to go with Raheem Morris instead of the greatest coach of all time. But with a lot of these teams, I don't think he's going to get one this year. And I think with a year off, I think he might be done. Because a year away from coaching, mm-hmm. unless he goes somewhere, it's like a, a, you know, one of those glorified jobs, like an assistant where you don't really do nothing, but you're you know on the payroll. I think he might come back at that point. But if he's done, I think he just might just call it quits, which sucks because they would have been really good on the Falcons, I feel like. you know. But I, I think he might have saw Desmond Ritter and said, I don't, maybe I don't want to coach there. So I mean, that's what happened. But you know, if you're a Falcons fan, it sucks to lose out on one of the greatest coaches for Raheem Morris. Phil's going to coach again. You can't tell me a guy that's that competitive is going to look at that record and be like, I'm this close to it, but I'm just going to give up and not do it. But, but he's going to coach again, but I just don't see it being this year. You know, he might go down to, like, Myrtle Beach, sit on the beach a little bit, put his toes in the sand. He's going to Coastal? He's, I mean, he might just, <laughs> he coastal. might just enjoy life, but see his grandkids run around. But he's going to come back next year and be like, I need to coach football. It's just The bad thing with Bill Belichick, I see him as a win-now head coach because he's only got two – Three seasons left. He's going to get the you know the record, and he's probably going to be done. There's no, there was really no job open this cycle that was really win now besides the Chargers, and the Chargers got the younger coach in Jim Harbaugh. The better fit. Yeah, it's just coach. I mean, teams like the Falcons, they they don't need a coach that's just going to be there two to three years. The, the Commanders, they don't need a coach that's just going to be there two to three years. They need guys that are going to be there for six years. You know, it's that kind of stuff. So I just don't see Bill getting those kinds of jobs, but. A job that I might could see him getting is, you know, the Cowboys decided they're going to stick with Mike McCarthy, but he only has one year left on his deal. Jerry Jones is a win-now owner, and I think he would be just fine giving Bill Belichick two to three years, but just if you look at, like, the Commanders, you look at the Panthers, even the Panthers, like, we don't need a coach that's just going to be there two to three years, try to build something up, and then take off. We need a coach that's going to be there for a long period of time. I was going to bring up, you. Um, I think Ryan mentioned Coastal Carolina kind of as like a joke. Do you think he's going to be like a, he could be like a Cliff Ellis, like the men's basketball coach oh, last no. year? <laughs> or early mid-season. He'll be yeah. the special senior assistant to Kirby Smart or Kalen. He'll be Moore. on that Georgia staff somewhere. <laughs> yeah. I do agree with you, Andre. I think there's a potential opportunity in Dallas next year. He does like mm-hmm. Jerry Jones, and Jerry Jones seems to like him. That'll do it for this show. Before we leave you. Let's do some shout-outs. All right, just shout-outs. Well, right? Uh, um, there we go. This there is the right either. Do your shout-out. Do your shout-out. Do your shout-out. Through the wire. If you don't click this on. Yeah, get the right one. Yeah, Through the wire. It's not going to be anything crazy. Just shout-out friends and family that are listening. Shout-out App State's men's basketball team. Okay, yeah. Shout-out App State's men's basketball team for being really good, only losing twice since the third game of the year. You know, shout-out to both of them. Shout out to my friends and family back listening to home. Shout out my little brother getting better from a concussion he got somehow. I'm not sure how, but he's getting better. And sports shout out. Shout out my guy Poop Johnson, D Tackle from Kentucky. Love that. Shout out to my family back home. Shout out to you guys. Always a great time here in the Beasley Media Complex. 
And also, shout out to uh, San Diego Studios, the uh, makers of MLB The Show. I just shout out for um, you know releasing your next cover athlete, Vlad- Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Definitely no one else in Major League Baseball was deserving of that spot. Definitely not Ronald Acuna Jr. I'm definitely not mad about it. Definitely not. All right, shout out. I'm going to give my shout out to Sabrina Inescu, who's going to take on Steph Curry on All Star Saturday night in a little one on one three point contest. That's gonna be fun. All I'm, right. I'm excited. Let's go, NBA, yeah. giving us something to watch on the All Star weekend, trying to spice it up a little bit. And shout out to you for tuning in this Tuesday evening to Sports Wrap. For Nick Goodman, Ryan Hendricks, and Hunter Boston, I'm Cody Bear, sending you back to your regular scheduled program. Patrick Mahomes winning winning the Super Bowl. Brock's going to get exposed Sunday. Next Sunday.